Jan Cavell. Wow, I love talking to Jan. It was great. Uh, entrepreneur, business owner. She's a single mother, found herself being a single mother, you know, started making phone calls, um, you know, uh, got on assistance and eventually made a, a furniture business, had two factories, had uh, a lot of employees. Uh, just fascinating how she would how she was able to turn it around in a completely male dominated environment. Uh, men would come her come to her and say, "Well, you wouldn't have this problem if you were a man." And uh, we talk about that. We also talk about which I love to talk about in 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 entrepreneurship and business owning is the difference between management and leadership, and and the problems with uh, delegation with owners. Uh, we talk a lot about that in sales, just the negative connectivity with sales. Great insight. She is now retired. She wrote she wrote a great book, uh, Grow to Scale, excuse me, Scale for Success. And she talks about how to grow and how to scale uh, your business. She interviews entrepreneurs. Uh, really, really uh Wonderful conversation with Jan, just very insightful. She's now writing another book. I look forward to talking to her again, but you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Her, She's British. She's from the United Kingdom, and her, her view on discipline, extremely unique. I've never heard it before. I'll tease with this. Pink Floyd was introduced. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them? Hopefully it all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society. Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Appreciate uh, Jan Cavell. What, what a pleasure. Why should, or why better, why would anybody, anybody want to be an entrepreneur? Well, that is a very good question. I think, I think there's two types of people who want to be an entrepreneur. There's the people who are very driven to make a life of them for mm. themselves and um, have what they think is going to be freedom, which is going to be a dubious concept. And, um, you know, the, the choices to, to decide who are they going to work with and where are they going to go to with their lives, all those things. So for all those reasons, I think, you know, for a long time, people have, have liked the idea of being an entrepreneur. Some people want to get rich, but I don't think that really works as a sole motivation. But however, the, the actual freedom of lifestyle is, is a big thing. I think now, I don't know if you find this, but I think now it's become a high fashion mm. thing. And many people are getting into fairly dire straits because the realities of entrepreneurship are coming as a bit of a shock. That actually, you know, it's 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 great if you're made that way, but it's also a tough one if if you don't like it. It's not it's it's not it's it's a case of uh, what's that old saying? All the glitters isn't gold. Yeah, you know, you talk about statistics. Uh, you know, just marriage, for example. You know, statistics are you know fifty percent. You know, uh, businesses fail within 
I, I'm a first year, you know, I, I, you tell a great story about how uh, you, had, you had a, a great business factory uh, in furniture and you had a picnic with all your employees and they brought their children. And all of a sudden you started feeling this pressure. It's like, oh, my goodness, if my business fails, it's not just me and these people, but it's all their families. Wow, I didn't realize you'd heard that. Yeah, it was. I will never forget that day. You know, it was organized at some local lakes and, and as you say, all their kids were there. And I'd been conscious for the number of people working for me had grown. But when you saw, of course, you know, twice families and three or four kids each and some of them brought a, a sister or a brother and their families, I was like, you know, see, I can't be responsible for all this. You know, this is like a sort of mini country, you know, I just wow um you know really terrifying yeah you know when i first started my business you know i'm in the tech industry in the 90s and you know struggling for the first year you know and it's 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 a good time to start because i didn't have any i didn't have a mortgage i didn't have a house i didn't have a car you know i got out of school it was a good time to take you know some risks but i remember my friends saying you know it must be so great not having a boss and i would always say i've got more bosses now than i've ever had each one of my clients is a, is a boss of mine, you know, and if I tell them to go, you know, shove off, I lose them. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I, what is the one book where it talks about entrepreneur uh, brain damage? Uh, I think it's the E-Myth. Oh, we all, the entrepreneurs have. Could well yeah, be, yeah. Kind of brain. Michael Gerber. Right, Michael Gerber. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not as simple as having no boss right. at all, is it? I mean, you, and, you know, the multitude of bosses, and you have some lovely yes. bosses, and then you have some less than lovely bosses, you know. And, and as you say, you can't suddenly start telling clients where to go and, and you know you've got bills to pay you know and and the added and it's not just the clients it's the employees it's the vendors it's the banks it's the partners i mean there's just you know i don't know i whenever somebody tries to you know ask my advice about starting a business i always i i say just have a plan, but just be very careful. It's almost almost like golf. When people ask me to start playing golf, I say, don't do it. Because, you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get upset and you'll have a good day. Then you won't be able to sleep one night because you missed a putt and then you'll be blaming me. You know, it's almost uh, similar to entrepreneurship. It, it, um, uh, it could be so frustrating. It could be rewarding as well. And there, there are wins, but... Now you had the added benefit, of course, of being a woman. Where you tell another story about how, you know, male-dominated. You know, you're in the UK. For those maybe listening, you think Jan's from New Jersey. She is not. She's from uh, United Kingdom. And where, where my Boston grandmother, if you're getting twangs of New Jersey, <laughs> where you actually had a male come into your factory and say, you should run this like a man. I had several, seriously. Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever I would ask a male sort of uh, business advisor or old school, school consultant or whatever, they would all immediately go, well, obviously you wouldn't be having these problems if you weren't a woman. But, and I think, you know, for the first couple of times I've had, Sorry, <laughs> but actually, I think what they were meaning, they, they were sort of past that point of, of insulting me, if you like. But um, what they were meaning is for setup of old school manufacturing in the uh, UK, you know, in a country, countryish town, sprawling, small, large town, was so um, unionized, so very male dominated the women did tend to if they went out to work it was for some extra money if they weren't career women uh and you know the, the men ruled the home and it was it was very much um that sort of male dominated society and and a female boss was just completely anathema and i i didn't really give it any thought mm. when i started you know i just i mean i was and i was doing this business um you know, trying to trying to make a go of it. And it was only as we grew that, of course, that clique took hold, you know, and I'd start realising what was going on. We'd have 
TV cameras in, and of course I'd noticed, which you know I was just blind to, I didn't know because mm. I was used to it. You know, of course walls were covered in porn, and you know it was coming up on the local news, and I was like, oh bother, that's not a very good impression. You know, and and the guys would go on about, you know, oh, her indoors, come here to get away from women. And, you know, that was was how it was. So I guess, you know, to some extent, people had a point that there was an issue about me being a woman. It was going to be much harder with some of them. But what's extraordinary about about you, Jan, is that you're a single mom. You start a business. You you become one of the the first fifty female entrepreneurs to represent Europe. You won an award. I, I mean, <laughs> remarkable. I mean, tell us uh, tell us how you started and why you did it. Why is why mm. is easy uh, in that you know I've as you rightly say I've, I find myself a single mom, messy divorce, absolutely zero money. I was on uh, government support. And, you know, I didn't want to stay there all through the kids' life. I wanted to make a future for them. And so I went and saw the local security office, social security office, and I said, look, you know, you can either go on supporting us for the next whatever it is, 15 years, because the kids were very small, you know, or you can support me for a little while while I try and get a business off the ground. And they were more flexible in those days. I don't think you'd get away Mm. with it now. But um, they said, okay, we'll give it a go. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, and so there I was, you know, had the children very small. I had uh, a little shelf under the stairs in my tiny cottage and a telephone because it was all pre-computer days. And I started buying in stuff to sell and phoning people. You know, I had some experience of telephone sales. So, you know, that seemed a way to go and I could fit it around the kids and, and you know, I would put the answer phone on and take them to park and then it would be, mummy's got to work time, so, you know, amuse yourselves, you know, or, or play school or whatever. And, and so I sort of juggled it like that, um, which which was okay, actually. And because the kids were so small, they didn't find mm. it odd. You know, it's funny, we grow up, don't we, and, and we accept what, what is normal at home when you were that small. So, so they were terribly good about it. Um, so I was very lucky on that school. And, and with, as a brother like you, it, it took the first year or so to, <laughs> to survive much more than the odd night of, oh, that's not mm. going to work. I've got to give it up. Um, but, but, you know, it happened. And so very slowly it began to grow, um, but, which I did not expect. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, for, I never know to, to, to whether to say, don't do as I do. And that's certainly the case in certain things. Or, um, you know, if I can do it, so can you, because there's an element of truth in both of those statements. I had absolutely zero knowledge of business at that point. I really didn't. I was so ignorant, um, you know, I, and I've just really had the telephone sales and, a stubborn tenacity, but somehow I was going to feed the children. And you said you received a lot of bad advice. I don't think at that stage I received any particular advice because I didn't really see anybody. I mean, my time was split between the phone and mm. the children. Um, so so uh, it, it took a long time. I mean, that gradually developed into a, a tiny sort of farm unit and two people working for me um, before it got to the factory stage and things. And it was really as things got bigger and by which time I had maybe even at two factories at that point. Um, and, and, you know, I started networking as you do when businesses grow and started meeting other local business people who weren't always necessarily very entrepreneurial i think you know sort of local business is not really necessarily mm. the same as fast growth business anyway and again it's still your time where you know women weren't supposed to be floating around <laughs> running businesses so um in fact i'll tell you another story about that Please. if you like which will which will horrify you I, I went thinking I'll do my bit. I, I went to a local business meeting 
um, to discuss the town. And, you know, I was joining the sort of club of business people and uh, trying to contribute. And uh, I turned up and there was about eight of us there. Only woman. No surprise there. So I sat and I listened to what was going on. And, you know, there were various stories, which I had to catch up on, as you would with any of those things. And they were talking about Tesco's, the, the supermarket coming to the town, about halfway through this meeting. And eventually the man next door to me turned around and he patted me on the arm and he said, there, there, you've got something you must know about Tesco's. Wow. And, I, <laughs> Whoa. and at the end of it, the same man came up to me and he said, did you manage to understand any of that? Wow. It's bizarre. You know, I, I, just how they can be that mind blocked that somebody could only think about going grocery shopping and not understand a business meeting, yet be running a business with 40 or 50 people or working for them. I suppose they assume that somewhere in the background there was a man doing it. <sighs> Take a breath from that. Um... <laughs> Aside, more like it. Uh, and these sales calls that you were doing, so you, you knew a friend that did interior design and they needed some some custom furniture built. Yeah, I mean, I got to know a, a, a few people vaguely or names of mainly of, of interior design through my sister was vaguely in it and my ex-husband. And so I had some, you know, names and addresses and I'd go out and I'd buy, when I got my social security check, I'd buy a, um, my treat was um, a trade directory, telephone directory every week till I slowly accumulated an entire set over the years of, of Great Britain. Um, <laughs> so, you know, literally looking up interior designers under yellow pages. Um you were investing in your business even then. You knew to do that. Yeah, I mean, well, I knew I needed the phone numbers and being pre-computer, right. um, you know, there was no other way of, of doing it other than spending, you know, I think the equivalent of, you know, sort of $5 or whatever extravagant investment it was a week <laughs> on, on getting that um, phone directory. And let, let's talk about sales. How, how do we teach people who are not in sales, or should I say who don't think they're in sales, uh, to, to be more salesperson, you know, they think it's dirty. They, you know, the, 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 the old used car sales, you know, and, and they think it's dirty. They think, well, I'm trying to sell them stuff they don't need, or, you know, they put all this, I had a discussion just recently with somebody about that. How, how do we, how do we, without sales, you can't grow. There's no revenue. I, I'm absolutely right. I mean, you know, why they don't understand that, um, you know, that's a stumbling block. I think I usually, you know, because I used to do a bit of sales teaching even outside the business. And I think there are various blocks to it. Um, one, one of it is they, they decide that their product is so great that people will automatically mm. buy, particularly new people in business. You know, suddenly they've got this fantastic idea that they are so blown away by that clearly there's going to be queues down the street for <laughs> people wanting it. So so I think that's, that's how they square it in their minds. But you're so right. You know, people do think of it as, as dirty, pushy is the other word that comes up a lot. Oh, sorry, I should have turned off my emails um i hope that didn't ping your word um but yeah i think um you know there's this i don't want anything to do with being that sort of person who who is a bad person uh and yet sales changed i mean you know as i said to you i'd, I'd had some experience of sales prior, prior to my marriage and that was the real hard phone job you know you you if you were lucky, you got a desk. I've been, I had jobs where I had to sit on the floor doing it. And you got a list and a phone and got told to be, either make appointments for people or, or actually try and sell something. And the amount of rejection, I mean, you know, you did succeed if you wanted to keep your job, but it, it was, you got a lot of abuse and a lot of rejection too. That was hard sales. Um, 
but but no nobody nobody expects you to be able to do that now you wouldn't get anywhere if you did it's it's collaborative now i think it's the best word i can describe it i don't know what you think i think that's where we got to yeah especially now you were more business to business you were b2b you were selling but those earlier jobs you were selling to consumers to people yeah, sometimes. I mean, things like, I remember a long, well, long term for me, I never stayed in any job very long. But, um, you know, I was selling selling wine. So so that was certainly um, business to consumer. I see. That's it. Wine is very interesting. Uh, that, um, you know, it's, it's a matter of taste. It's a matter of, uh, that's a very interesting angle. See, see, I, I, I believe everybody's in sales. So automatically my sales head just went on. When you said wine, I'm starting to think, okay, how can, how can we arrange that? Who's the, that's just the way I think, you know, and I don't, you know, I, I have people tell me, yeah, be careful of Joe. He's in sales. I say, look, I, I own my business. Everybody, you know, I have to have this kind of discussion, you know, but again, it's, there's dirty connotations to it. Mm. That's really interesting that you you get it so much because I thought, on the whole, Americans much better than our spirits about accepting mm. sales. So so it's interesting that you you still get that. But yeah, I think it's an asset. You know, I always have thought it was an asset. It was part of my only asset actually. <laughs> you know, when I started, and I'd have been absolutely up a gum tree if I couldn't. That's right. Sell. Uh, you know, it was the one thing that was a real strength through up sometimes, you know, sometimes business went well, sometimes it didn't, but I mm. could always sell. Yeah. And the, it's very different from business to business because the person you're talking to, it's not necessarily their money, but it's their company's money, but they still have responsibility for it. Whereas consumer is just a little bit of a different, again, I'm putting on my sales, you know, this is the way, <laughs> this is the way I view it. All my businesses is B2B. Uh, so that's the way I look at it, but you know, whoever's listening, if you, if you are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, you think about starting a business, you have to look at sales as, you know, necessary. It's, it's the worst thing will happen. They won't get your stuff. They won't get your service and, and marketing goes right along with it. Mm. Absolutely. Or even marketing, if you're going to be trendy now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I think so, and I think, you know, to 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 say that so, you can be genuine and sell, you know, you don't have to tell a pack of lies to sell mm. something. You can actually tell somebody the truth, and and if you go on that theory of selling and being truthful, when you're talking starting up a business, you're talking projecting your vision to others in a positive way. That's selling. But you're not going to tell anybody a pack of lies because that's going to be seen through. You're not going to carry new people around you, investors or staff or whatever, with a load of lies. It's got to be a really exciting, compelling vision. But but you've got to protect it, right? And that's a sales skill. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we talked. You talked about one of your stories about how you had a management team and you know some of your employees, and a lot of them were just wrong. Uh, uh, talk, talk about the mm. lessons that you learned about hiring and firing. I think, I mean, yeah, lots. Um, and a lot of them only way too late. Mm. <laughs> but um, I think one of the mistakes that I know I made, and I think other people having talked to them often make, is that when you have a startup, you know, you, you start with a group of people who buy-in, you're all having fun, it's great, um, you know, vibes, it's great energy, and it's your place and everybody's involved. And as you grow, uh, you know, you get more people. Those people who were originally there are obviously the ones you want to look after most, pay most, be managers, uh, but they're not necessarily managers and uh, to start with. And I think... That's I've seen that go wrong so many times, and it's definitely what happened to me, uh, you know. And man, you know, it's it's like saying somebody's a brilliant um, programmer, um, and they've been with you from the start, and they're responsible for your success. But it doesn't mean to say they can run the rest of the team. Yeah, 
So, so yeah, I think that's a big. It one. is, and your book scaling up. We'll talk about that. That that you know just comes right into that point as you're growing. The people that you that kind of founded with you, that kind of brought up, aren't necessarily the ones that are going to scale. Uh, one of the big big topics that I, I love to discuss with with business owners is the the, the difference between a manager and a leader. I, I had plenty of managers mm, who are one. leaders, and I had leaders that thought they were managers, and vice versa. What What do you feel is the difference? <laughs> I think. Well, I think I hope there should be less managers mm. in the world, as and I I hope that actually remote working might have killed off the old manager mm. here and there, because I think a leader has to bring people with them. Uh, and with their power and their caring for those people and investing in those people. A manager is about control. And that to me is the difference. What That's interesting, you... control. Yeah, when I think manager, I think we have these goals, we have these milestones. Are we meeting them? Uh, you know, if we're not, what we have to do is get straight. We have this quarter, we're here to meet them. Just kind of goal setting, review day to day. Whereas a leader is more visionary, more thought forward. I guess I've got such a horror of micromanagers. Uh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. But I, I think, yeah, maybe that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I think perhaps, perhaps leaders do let go of, uh, of of the figures and the facts and seep it down into into managers. But I'm still not sure managers should be let loose on other people. <laughs> it's fascinating. You're you're uh, yeah. You're combining a, a manager and a micromanager. Yeah, micromanager gets down. You know, you're brushing your teeth wrong. I know. I yeah, know. I am. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. Uh, uh, that's very interesting because you've had bad experiences there. And I have had that as well, where, you know, you should keep your pens to the right of your desk, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you will see, see every single email, including your personal. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no room for that. I, I would think uh, that, that definitely could be frustrating. Uh I never thought about that relationship between a manager and a micromanager. I always thought of a micromanager as not actually a manager, just somebody who's a bit um, anal retentive, perhaps. <laughs> I th well, that, I think that definitely that as well. <laughs> but uh, I have seen managers who are, I think they're probably fairly bad managers who are trying to make themselves feel mm. better and retain a bit of control by doing the micromanaging bit. Somebody said to me the other day that they're actually a bit of them is trying to move back to their old job where they were happy and capable. So, I mean, maybe it's that. Um, but whatever it is, they're terribly bad for the people around. Yeah. If you a if you have to report to a micromanager, that would be pretty hellish. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other big, big thing I see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, business owners don't do correctly, and that's delegation. I guess that goes right along with micromanaging. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, there's an element of, um, I, I don't know how successful I always was. I tended to, I think I seesawed mm. on this one. I was did too much or too little, um, you know, but... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard, not hard on myself. I don't know. But I think there's an element that it's very hard to let go of your baby. Mm. Always, of course. And an element of, you know it better than anybody else. So surely you're going to do it better. So why on earth aren't they doing it your way? Which, of course, you can't grow a business you like can't. that. But, but I think both of those contribute a little bit to bad behavior and bad managers. I agree. I, I, I had, I knew somebody, a colleague who insisted on ordering the pizza for, you know, for lunch. I said, so, I mean, <laughs> Oh, wow. That is bad. No, I, <laughs> I said, look, somebody could do that. What is the, is it the 70, 30 rule or the 80, 20 rule? If you can get somebody to do it 80% the, the way you can delegate it away, you know, try to come up with something like that. Yeah, that's that. Like I say, that is it's as bad a one as I've ever heard. Insisting on ordering a pizza, I, I'm sure I didn't get that bad. 
your books, you have the book, of course, Scale for Success. I mean, on top of everything that you are, Jan, you're also an author. Why, why, tell us the story. The, the story is great how they came to you about the writing the book. Well, I, I'd been writing, when I had the business, I'd be, I started writing for a, a magazine over here, I guess because it's digital, it probably seeps over there too, called Real Business. Uh, and it was it was something I'd always dreamed of doing. And I saw an ad, uh, as you do by chance, you know, saying other two entrepreneurs out there would like to contribute. And I thought, you know, nothing lost, <laughs> um, which which is advice I'd give to anybody. You always try. So so I banged off a sample article, little, you know, to my amazement, they said yes. And I wrote them for about 10 years. And uh, so when it, I decided to retire, as you've noticed, um, I lasted literally a matter yeah. of a few weeks and I thought you know now what I'm a bored but b what do I miss and I'd got to the stage where I did not miss having a business I'd, I'd, I'd had it um, but I did miss writing and I missed the whole entrepreneurship scene the whole entrepreneurship vibe and I also was very interested in learning more because as I say, when I set out, I knew absolutely zero, and I'd learned quite a lot, I hope, in my in my later years, and and I'd become really hooked on it. You know, I just wanted to soak up more and more. So yeah, so I put I put the whole thing. I I went back to real business, and I said to my then editor, um, who's lovely, he's left now, but uh, and I said, you know, well, it's me. I don't have a business anymore. Can I still write, please? <laughs> And he said, yeah, why? <laughs> Thinking clearly the woman's got mad. Um, so I went on writing for them. And then I thought, you know, I've always dreamed of a book. And, and by chance, again, a bit sort of dream worthy, I put in a submission to Bloomsbury Publishing. They said, yeah, OK, come and see us. And I went, well, um, again, you know, didn't tell anybody because it was too dream worthy. You know, I just drove up to London one day and sat outside their offices going, thinking, this isn't real, is it? Uh, was invited in and offered a contract. So, uh, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wrote, I wrote that, for one, that one for them, and that came out just as the pandemic hit, which mm. wasn't brilliant. And I've got another one coming out in January. So I am now a serial author. Can you be a serial author? Congratulations. What is the North Star Thank approach? You. The North Star approach, I think you're talking about um, particularly one of the entrepreneurs in Scale for Success, which which is Doral, who is just one of the most genuine, passionate people I've had the privilege of talking to. And he was talking about the North Star approach and truly finding I'm, I forget now you're, you're putting me on the spot here it's, I've been so immersed in this next book but exactly how he does it so I, I shall go and find it and reread it tonight but you know he was talking about how how you find your true meaning and and what you really want out of life and what brings true to you and I know how he does it it's come back to me um you know it came from him being at Stanford and very early on, I think in one of his first tutorials, he was asked to list the things that bothered him in life. And he tells this story that, you know, he started off and he was sick of the food in the, in the campus, or food, um, you know, um, cafeteria, and he was fed up with the weather and, you know, his shoelaces had broken. And, you know, like we all do, we get terribly involved don't we in the dross of whatever's wound us up mm. this morning and it took him till about 67 i think if my memory serves me right to go actually poverty and injustice and things like that mm. bother me uh, and you know suddenly he thought that's what matters and and from that he built his north star which he built his later business on yeah it's a, it's a great it's a great story that and these are these are this success success stories. And when you read about great entrepreneurs like yourself and like him and others that are successful, this is what attracts people. This is what, you know, even though the statistics are what they are, and you know, you're you're staying up late, 
you don't know if you're going to make payroll, you know, you don't know if you're going, you know, you've, <laughs> you, you did the same, you know, I, you know, I, I've almost 30 years, we've never missed a payroll. Very, very fortunate, very, very fortunate. But, you know, there's some close calls there, Jan, you know, there's some close oh, yeah. calls and, you know, like that picnic that you had with, uh, you know, this is, you know, the family, it's not just myself, it's uh, affecting all these families. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult. And businesses often, the entrepreneur in, your, in, in Scale Up, they are the ones that are in the way of growing, of scaling up. Often they're the problem. Very true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is hard, I think, uh, you know, in, in, in scale for success, the next one is slightly different. I go from the beginning um, because I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs want to get it right from the start. But particularly I find um, scale from success came very much as a concept from my own experiences with growing a business. And, you know, you it's very easy to get involved in all the firefighting and mm. the excitement. And you think, you know, I'm going to grow this and this is great. And if I grow it, it will get bigger and that'll be great. And if I grow it and it gets bigger, I'll make more money and that'll be great. And all of a sudden you're, you've got this unwieldy thing that is chaotic and very lacking in discipline. <laughs> and, um, you know, but life has become a sheer murderous misery you're not enjoying it anymore and you know you're stuck um you know there's another entrepreneur in the book that calls for sort of leap between one and ten million turnover the death valley of businesses and i think that's such a good description because businesses just get stuck there as well and we talk about those startup failures but we don't talk as much about that failure at that point and you see businesses going yo-yoing. I've got friends who are still doing it, you know, and saying they're going to get out and they're still, oh, but it's better this week or it's better this year. And then it won't be the year after. And they just can't get over that hummock of, of that first leap in scaling. So very true. Yeah, that was that was. It's tough. It is tough. It is tough. And I'm glad you're, you're writing again because you're very good at it. And I look forward to talking with you, you again. So we talked, you mentioned discipline and, you know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about it. I lost a lot of weight. You know, when I started my business, I, your weight, I have to say, it's just awesome. Your weight loss is amazing. Thank you. You know, you start in the business and you're not paying attention to yourself. Like you said, I was making calls. I was, you know, this is in the nineties. We didn't have the World Wide web. So I was making those calls. I was, I had the phone in my hand and I'm trying to get appointments and, not paying attention to my body, not taking care of myself. I blew up. Doctor said, you know, you're not going to see your daughter graduates after I had a baby. And that's all I had to say, say uh, here, that is. And so I, you know, I lost a lot of weight. And people asked me, how'd you do it? And I just said, you know, I always say discipline. So I wonder how discipline plays a role in your life, Jan. You know, I've, I mean, I was so thrilled to be coming on this podcast because it really sparked so many thought processes. And I was I was thinking, you know, what exactly has this, the effect of discipline hmm. been for me? Because like many entrepreneurs, actually, I mean, the mere suggestion of discipline, you know, makes me want to go the other hmm. way. You know, so many of us dropped out of school or at least didn't do very well at school and, you know, have trouble with authority generally and, you know, are just want to do our own thing. You know, so so in theory, discipline sounds absolute wow. anathema to us. Um, and yet, if we want something badly enough and it's our business, we are not only disciplined about it, but we have that tendency to take it to extremes that are not necessarily mm. very good to us. We are so disciplined, like you were saying. You know, we're, we're focused only on the business. We don't look after ourselves. We abuse our bodies and do all these things wrong because we're so disciplined. We're going to do that business. <laughs> you know, it's a curious anomaly, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love what you said when you first heard discipline. It was a turnoff. Can you explain why? Oh, I think I was just one of those children who, you know, 
me tell me to do one thing and I do the other, I you know, and I don't think I've changed very much. So know. in your academics in school, you would hear this? Oh, everywhere. I mean, it's, it's applied oh, to my home I as see. well, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I got to work with it. I think, I, I mean, I've read copiously, hence, hence and doing art being a writer, I think. But, you know, so I would read, um, you know, books of, of probably a bit advanced to my years, but of, of any sort of, you know, rebellion. Um, I've read a lot of American literature, actually, but, you know, sort of, um, you know, it always was Joe from Joe's Boys, you know, because she wanted to do her own thing and be different. And, you know, it was never one of the nice girls who did what they were told. Mm. <laughs> You know, so, so yeah, I, I think, uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of dyslexic entrepreneurs who struggle, struggle at school, for mm. example. Um, you know, and I think in lots of ways, entrepreneurs don't take very kindly. They want freedom of doing their own thing. It's one of the reasons they, they go into entrepreneurship. You know, when you... When, but self-discipline, different. Very different, yeah. When you first said you were turned off by yeah. discipline, I... I thought of academics and all of a sudden in my, in my head, I heard, Hey, teachers, leave those kids alone. I, I don't know why that, that <laughs> Pink Floyd. Oh, quite right too. <laughs> came right up. Uh, but yeah. So when you found yourself as a, you know, a single mother and you're making these calls, I just have this vision in my, you know, in my head, Jan, of you making, you know, putting the kids say, okay, got to take care of yourself now. I'm going to make some calls and you're opening up the books and making calls. Did you think at, at, at that point, did you say, okay, now discipline sets in now I've got to get, get straight. I gave myself quotas, mm. certainly. I had a certain number of, of calls to make a day, and that was part wow. of my bargain with myself. Because you know what it's like with sales. You know, you can go on bashing your head against a brick wall almost indefinitely, but the breakthrough will come at some point. You know, so, so yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I had a very strict routine and a regime of X number of sales calls. But, um, you know, Apart from a very off day, I didn't I didn't find that too much of a problem. I often think looking back, it, you know, I'd have looked in from the outside and thought that was so mm. tough. How did you do that? But it didn't actually feel like it very much because it was worth it. Yeah, you were in the moment. Sales is a numbers game, you know, and you're going to get shot mm. down a hundred times, but you'll make that one sale and make up for everyone, you know. And it's it's. It's not yeah. for the thin skinned, you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I was just at a retail store here and, you know, there's people right in the aisles trying to sell you, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, you know, it's a numbers game. I said, you know, I, I'm not interested, but have a great day. You're always polite, of course. And they smile and they realize that they're going to get a lot of no's, but those <laughs> one or two yeses for the day makes their quota. And that's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not easy at all. So, when you first heard, uh, you know, we're coming on the podcast with about discipline. Did you think was it? Have you ever before thought I'm I'm a disciplined person or I'm not? Did you? Uh, how did it? I wonder how it resonated with you. Like I said, you know, it it prompted me mm. to think a lot because my first instinct was, you know, I've never liked discipline. Right. I don't like authority figures. Um, you know, I've I, certainly when I was younger and, and during my entrepreneurship days, I drank too much and um, certainly my weight gained, you know, yes. similar story. Uh, and so, you know, that lack of self-discipline, because that's not where my focus was and I didn't really mm. care enough, I guess. Um, you know, so, so, yeah, at first I thought discipline's not discipline it is not me and then I thought actually discipline is me if I want something badly enough so it's this this, this convergence between self-discipline and mm. authority which is a different thing altogether but but you know I think it's it's tough for entrepreneurs because we're such all or nothing people you know and so we have to we tend to to be over disciplined and overdo it or not do it at all. You know, getting that middle <laughs> sensible one is is not the easy one for us. I wonder if some of those, uh, you know, male counterparts that you had to kind of endure, uh, perhaps it's not discipline that they they should have exercised in their chauvinistic uh, mentality, <laughs> but uh, it's something along those lines, and hopefully, it's getting better. 
Possibly, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't. I, I hope it is too. I mean, it was it was a very bad time for it. You know, it really was that that sort of uh, you know fifty year out of date mentality. Um, and I hope it's getting better there. But I wouldn't, by choice, live in a place like that ever again. So I don't know. Um, but you know, I think things have to change. I think we, you know, we're encouraging a lot more choice of of people male and female being and and everything else you know around that being allowed to live lives how they want to and i think that's a great thing you know i think it's way past the day of get a job and be miserable for Mm. the rest of your life yeah as a father of daughters i i i certainly hope that as adult daughters, young adults' daughters, yes. Uh, Jan Cavell, what motivates you? I love what I do, actually. You know, I, that's why I went back to it. Um, and, and, you know, I find I love talking to the entrepreneurs that I do. It's such a privilege. They fascinate me. I admire them. Um, and I learn from them. Um, quite why I want to learn so badly. It's not as if I'm going to apply it now, but uh, I, you know, it, it, it stimulates me, um, and I just love it. And what, what? How do you measure success? That's an interesting one, isn't it? And as you know, it's a question I asked everybody in in the scale for success. I think for me, it it's definitely not financial. As, as many people said in that book. And I, I think they were mm. telling the truth, actually. I mean, I know it's, you know, oh, gosh, no, I wouldn't dream of being motivated by money. But actually, I don't think it is. I think it's taking money off a table so you're not worried about not having a roof over your head or feeding your children or all those essential things. But I think it's okay to not be madly motivated by money. Um, you know, I to me, it's being... Having the freedom to do what I do now, which I love, that's you know that's pretty successful to me. Yeah, and I think it goes right along with what motivates you. And you know how they answered. Mm. I wondered if you asked them now if they would. Be, you know, I I don't think there's the right answer at any time. I think it could change within day, minute, hour, week. I mean, it, you know, things change, priorities change. That's such a good point. I think um, you know the, there's a few people who were so focused they knew from the start where they wanted to be but you know they've had to i'm thinking particularly a a man called rob hamilton in the book who who built his business up um very very focused for a set period of time for a colossal sale very successful you know and and all exactly going according to plan but i mean you know okay he he got his colossal sale but i'm sure he's had to reinvent Mm. himself behind the scenes. I mean, he's a lovely guy. He's an angel investor and involved in a lot of things. But that must have taken, you know, as you say, a, a, a different sort of mindset to think, you know, what is success now? And I know it's it's also spending time with his family. But, but yeah, it, you know, you're so right. It does change as we go through life. And health, of course, matters more as we get older. Certainly. And you have to be careful what you wish for. Uh, you know, because if you get it, what do you do now? You know, I've had, I'm sure, yeah. you know, I, if I get this one client, everything is going to change, you know, and then you get it. And then like, my goodness, well, how are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think we, the people like us who are, you know, essentially yeah. salespeople, you know, are always motivated to get the sale. And we don't always stop to think, can we deliver? Uh, you know, and it's a fault. I remember years and years ago, I mean, when I was even before pre-business altogether, and I had some friends, my oldest friends staying, and they were farmer, or he was a farmer, they were newly married. And he, you know, he came back to the dinner table or whatever, very excited. And he said, I've just sold some cows. And, you know, that's great. We, you know, we're off, we're, we're made. And his wife went, but we haven't got any cows. <laughs> and that's what we do, it isn't is. it? <laughs> it is exactly what we do. It reminds me of a story of uh, a red uh, chasing monkeys about Silicon Valley. About uh, mm. there's a story, and I don't know if it's a fable, but it kind of defines it. In that 
the son comes home and says, mom, I, I just made a million dollars. And, uh, she, she said, Oh, that's great. What'd you do? Uh, and I, and, and the, the boy says, well, um, I sold both of our cats. No, I, I, I sold our dog for a million dollars and got two $500,000 cats. And she says, well, we don't have a dog. And I said, well, I don't have the cats yet either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. But I've got cash flow. <laughs> so it's not really good. And another thing I think we discovered is that the friction between, you know, technicians and the engineers or the workers who's actually going to do the work versus the salespeople. Oftentimes the sales makes all these promises of what they're going to deliver, throws it over the wall, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden the people who have to implement it is like, what have, what have you done? And so some natural friction happens that way as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad you had that too, because I, I had that very much from, you know, everybody worked on the factory floor. We were under too much pressure and we were doing too well. You know, and the sales people were going, yippee, we've taken another one. You know? Absolutely. Well, Jan Cavell, what an absolute pleasure. I was so excited uh, when uh, when I found out we were going to talk. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I look forward to one day having a cup of tea of sitting face to face. That would be wonderful. Oh, that would be gorgeous. Yeah, lovely. I would love so that. So please tell us how we can get in touch with you, how we can get your book. You can, Right. Okay. You can come to my website, which is jolly easy to remember because I'm just jancavell.co.uk. And the book, um, Scale for Success, is available from Amazon and all the normals or, or indeed through Bloomsbury Direct. And as, as I say, start for success. It's it's friend, much updated. Will be out in January and will be all available for pre-order just into the new year from Amazon again and all the normal places. And if you go to my website, you will get totally updated, and you can probably even get yourself an invitation to the launch party. It's a great website. You've got a lot of great content, interviews. By the way, everyone, Cavell is spelled C-A-V-E-L-L-E. Uh, and it will be in the show notes. You're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. You're on LinkedIn. You're on Instagram, Linktree. I'll put all those up in the show notes. Jan, thank you so much for your time today. My absolute pleasure. I've loved every Thanks minute. Thanks again. You be well. Cheers. Thank you, Andrew. You. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, $10, or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations.